0: We're jumping into our, our second week of this series, The Counselor. We're looking at these four specific questions that Jesus asked in, in these, these real moments here. And we're trying to figure out exactly what he wanted uh, the person or the people that he, on the other end of that question to learn. And, and then through what, figuring out what, what it was that they were supposed to learn, figure out what we can learn as well. And so last week we looked at Jesus' asking his disciples this question, why are you so afraid? They were on a boat with Jesus, and a a storm came up, and it freaked them out, which is completely understandable. And Jesus goes on to calm that storm and and then ask them why, when he was right there on the boat with them, they were still so afraid. We do the same thing when storms come up in our lives, and, and our fear is not just necessarily because Jesus And the answer to this is not just just the fact that Jesus is in our boat, but that God is always there with us. That's what we can learn from that question. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to everyone who has recently asked God for something. And it doesn't matter what it is. If you've asked God for something, for a sign, for healing, for guidance, for something else, even for someone else, something for them. If you've asked God for something recently, then... And we're going to learn something today. And and my assumption is that means this message is for all of us. And so real quick, if you haven't asked God for anything lately, real quick, ask him. Just have a little silent moment where you ask God for something. I'm I'm serious. Because then I I think that will help us to gain a deeper understanding of what God has to teach us through his word today. Because the question in the main passage and that you just heard in the video that, that we're going to look at today is, Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? Matthew chapter 9. Let me set the scene. At this point, Jesus had just healed this little girl. In fact, I don't don't want to just use the word healed here. Because what Jesus did was was he raised this little girl from the dead. Which certainly amazed everyone who saw it and heard about it. And you can bet that a lot of people heard about it. Like You can bet that this got around quickly. I mean, when, when a guy walks into a room and there's a dead little girl And then he walks out of the room with the little girl walking with him. That's going to attract attention. Like, this is a big deal. People are going to talk about this. They're going to talk about all the things that Jesus has been doing. And so these stories and these rumors are spreading. And I'm sure that just like any story, there are some people that believe that this is really what happened. And there are some people who are like, this is too crazy To have happened. And I'm sure, just like rumors and stories do today, I'd say that that some of the stories were even exaggerated a little bit. That that some people were were saying that Jesus did even more amazing things than than he had done yet. But the bottom line is, people were talking about Jesus, and because people were talking about Jesus, people were hearing about Jesus. And there were these two men who happened to be blind, who we can assume have also heard about this Jesus and the things he'd done. And so we pick up their story. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 27, after Jesus left the girl's home, this being the little girl that he raised from the dead, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, I don't want us to misunderstand here. um, And I I think that the video actually did a pretty good job. You know, he, he yelled, Jesus, over here, like he was clearly trying to get their attention. The New Living Translation here says that they were shouting. Other translations say that they were calling out. But the Greek word... Originally used here is, is crazo, and I don't know if I'm even saying that right. But I wanted you to understand that because that word means to cry out with an animalistic cry. That, that what this, these guys were doing, it was not just, hey, Jesus, over here. But it was an animalistic cry. This was one of those, we don't want to miss our chance, so we better make this count kind of cries. And listen, there was probably a limit to how long and how well these men could follow Jesus because we have to face the fact that they were blind. And so their best chance was to get him to stop and talk to him, to get his attention enough so that he would stop moving because the more he kept moving, the harder it was going to be for them to stay with him, and they wanted to get to Jesus. And so they're following, and they're crying out with all they have, but they don't just want to talk to him it's clear that they believe that it's at least possible that if they could just get a moment with Jesus, that he could give them sight, that he could heal them. Verse 28. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And their eyes were open, and they could see. Now, why do you think Jesus qualified this with the statement, because of your faith? Because of your faith, it will happen. I suppose, I suppose it could have been based on other things. Like we, we view things that way sometimes, where, where something good happens to someone and we question whether they deserve it. Do we do that? I think we do that sometimes. And when we do that, when when something happens to somebody and it's a good thing, we're like, well, I don't know if they deserve something that good to happen, and then they do this and this and that, and it's not fair or whatever. When we do that, we we base the criteria on something different than Jesus would. And we say, well, because of their income, they didn't deserve that good thing to happen. Or, or because of their social standing, they've got enough good things happening. They didn't deserve that other good thing to happen. Or because of what other people think, of them, well, they're, they're, they're not good enough to deserve that. Or because they either made it to church last week or they didn't. Well, they're not even a life group. They shouldn't have something. God shouldn't bless them with that. They they haven't earned it. And we make it about so many things when good things happen to people. But Jesus makes it clear right here for these men that nothing matters but their faith. And that because of their faith, they would be healed. That There's no other reasoning. We don't know the spiritual history on these two blind men. We have no idea. But Jesus says, because of your faith, you'd be healed. And they were. And it's not clear whether they were were blind from birth, but that's the assumption that most biblical scholars make. Can you imagine? We don't know how old they were, but they were described as men. So they've lived a long time without their sight. Can you imagine that moment where your eyes open and the first thing you see is Jesus, the guy who just gave you sight? I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And it's extremely important for us to understand that, that faith is the key here. And to understand that, that, that God responds to faith. Because if we understand that, that our faith is something that God responds to, then that really amps up the importance of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this: And it is impossible, impossible, that's a strong word, impossible. To please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We cannot undersell here the importance of faith. And yet I think we do that sometimes. We say it's it's not as important. But faith is that important. And yet, sometimes we misuse its importance, and we and we even will use this idea of faith to put other people down. You know, when it seems that God hasn't answered a prayer, or hasn't answered the way we like, well, we say things like, well, the reason God didn't do it is because you had a lack of faith, or I had a lack of faith, and if you ask me, that's a pretty presumptuous statement, because yeah, but, but I think we've probably all had that reaction, well, their faith just wasn't strong enough to make that happen, but... When God does something, He should absolutely get the credit. But often, when we feel like God hasn't answered us the way we want to, or we haven't heard from Him, we blame ourselves. We get the blame. I didn't pray right. I didn't pray enough. My prayers weren't long enough. I should have ended my prayer within Jesus' name instead of over and out, good buddy. I didn't pray loud enough. I didn't pray softly enough. There are probably people that would have a problem with loud praying. I don't know. Um, I wasn't standing on one foot with one hand over my heart and the other pointed to the sky. I think you get the point. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves and we say, why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't he answer it that way? It must have been something I did wrong or something I didn't do. I didn't have enough faith falls right in line with those things, even though I got got us to the point of ridiculous there. But when that's our thought process, when we're trying to figure out why it didn't happen, why God didn't make this happen, we are missing the point. God honors faith. He absolutely honors faith. But when God doesn't answer a prayer the way that you want him to, by no means does that mean that you lack faith. And if you walk away with nothing else today than that, we, we need to know that, that. That if it seems that God hasn't answered our prayer, or if he's answered it in the way we didn't expect, that does not mean that we lack faith. Here's how I know that. You had the faith to make the ask. You had the faith to ask God for something. So why would you then question that same faith later just because of the outcome? The problem is when a prayer seems to go unanswered or isn't answered in the way we've hoped, we want a reason. We want to place blame on someone or something, and the best option for that is ourselves and we end up, we believe, we end up believing that we've done something wrong, and that our faith was weak or misplaced. But God honors faith, and so we get into this little fight where we say, "I have faith," but now, you know, but it's, it apparently wasn't good enough. And we end up fighting with ourselves, and we're trying to decide how do we make our faith better. When the better question is probably this: What kind of faith does God honor? Do I have? faith, but it's just the wrong kind, or, or you know, what's, what's the deal here? So in this story, I think that we can find three different types of faith that God honors. And I believe that, that, that we'll walk away today with a better understanding of how God responds to our faith. So what kind of faith does God honor? Well, the, the first kind is, is this, God honors a faith that believes when it doesn't see, God honors a faith that believes when it doesn't see. This probably sounds like the common definition that you've heard for faith, um, which which usually, if somebody quotes this, it's it's a close quote to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which says this Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You may have heard it phrased this way in other translations Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's the confidence. That what we hope for, that what we look forward to, that it will actually happen. And an assurance of things we can't see but still believe will happen. That's faith. And it shows up big in our story. Back to verse 28. They went right into the house where he was staying and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him we do. Now, listen, he had not done it yet. Their eyes had not yet seen the light of day, and yet they had a confidence in what they hoped for: sight. And they believed that it would happen. That's faith. And so the question for us becomes, whatever challenge we might be facing, whether it has to do with relationships or <coughs> excuse me, relationships or, or physical challenges or spiritual challenges, do we believe that God is able to hear our prayers and that He will answer? Do we believe that with God all things are possible? Do we believe, as, as we sometimes sing, that God is able? Because I know the church answer. The church answer is, oh yes, praise the Lord, I believe. And we kind of train ourselves to not even hesitate when asked if we believe that God can do something. If we're asked if we believe that God can do the impossible, that God can do anything, we train ourselves to say, absolutely, of course I do. Because hesitation to that question would show a lack of faith we don't want to do that but our actions and even our words betray us sometimes they they show the truth of what we really believe and because we'll say things like all we can do now is pray and i'm not going to come down on you hard if you've said that before so just just hear me out because i've said it before too i'm sure that i had i'm sure that i've said all we can do now is pray and I'm sure that when I said that, I had the best of intentions. But think about what it is we're saying there. Think about what, what's inferred in that statement. All we can do now is pray. What's inferred in that statement is this. I've tried everything else. I've tried to solve this problem on my own. I guess all I have left is prayer. And we say it like reaching out to God is the last resort, and God saying, I'm not the last resort. I'm your safest bet. I specialize in the impossible. Think about this. In the last week or so, is there something that you've prayed for every day? Something that you maybe even could use a, a very Bible word that we don't say a lot, that you've prayed fervently for? Because what we pray about reflects what we believe about God. If if our prayers are few and far between, or if we're always praying the same generic prayer, and I know that I do that a lot, I'm very guilty of that, I would suggest that we don't always really believe that God is active and involved, and that He can and will do big things in our lives. I pray the same simple prayer a lot. And even though I can stand here and tell you that I believe that God is active and moving in the world and in my life, and that I do believe that he can do great things, my prayers don't always reflect that. The flip side of that is also true, though, that if you're praying for big things consistently and fervently praying for those big things to happen, that you believe in a big and powerful God. You could say it this way. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. Now I'm not I'm not understanding me clearly, I'm not saying if every day you pray for a mansion or a Porsche or I don't know, there are other Porsche used to be like the go-to for that. I have teenagers now that talk about cars I've never even heard of. Like is there something called a Bugatti? Bugatti? Is that a thing? Okay. So if, if you're praying for a bigger house or a nicer car or a swimming pool that you've always wanted or something like that's not what we're talking about here. Now what we're talking about here. But if all we do is ask God for the little things, things that will probably happen anyway, God give us safe travel, what's that doing? Well, that, that's in some ways indicating the strength of your faith. And, and listen, pray for safe travel. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. But your travel is probably going to be safe. And if one time you don't pray for safe travel, I doubt if you're going to get in an accident. It could happen. But I doubt it. I doubt if the one time you forget to do that, because some of you are going, well, I think I have done, I've not prayed for that before, and I made it safely. And if you pray for safe travel, it's like you can almost hear God saying, all right, that's done. Give me something a little harder. Give me a challenge. Give me something I can work with. And and we pray, God, bless the food that it may nourish our bodies. That doesn't really take faith. Well, depending on what you're eating um, or where you're eating. I suppose we eat some things or eat at some places that, and maybe some things that are unlikely to actually nourish our bodies. So it actually would take a high level of faith to believe that a Twinkie could nourish, nourish our bodies. I, I guess I get that. But I think you get the point. What, what we pray about reveals a lot about how we feel about God and what we believe God can do. And so knowing that, the question, do you believe I'm able to do this, becomes an even more important question. Everyone's story is different. But do you believe God is able to heal a marriage that's gone bad? Do you believe that God can help you overcome an addiction that's tearing you and your family apart? Do you believe that God is bigger than cancer and can bring healing? Do you believe that all things are possible with God? Because a faith that that honors God and that God honors is a faith that believes even though it doesn't see. that doesn't need to see results to believe that God can do anything. Anybody can believe once they've seen truth, proof. Faith doesn't need proof. Once you've seen the proof, oh yeah, of course I believe God can do anything because I've seen him do it. But if you haven't seen it, that's a different level. Faith doesn't need proof. Now the second kind of faith that honors God is a faith, a faith that persists when nothing changes. And this might be the tough one. Because... We might be good at like making the big ask and, and believing that God can do great things, but if we then have to wait, we're not super patient people generally, some of us probably more than others. But think about our story. These guys are crying out, Jesus have mercy on us. And what does Jesus do? Well, it's pretty clear that he keeps walking. And he even walks indoors. Like, like he, he is walking away from them. He's going into another building. They are outside. He is clearly walking away from them. And what do they do? They follow. And you can almost sense their plan. That it's, we're going to follow him until he either heals us or kicks us out, but we're not giving up. We're going to keep believing and persisting, and we'll follow him no matter what or where. They don't know whose house they're walking into. Now, here's the important question. As they follow Jesus, as he walks away from them, does their sight, has their sight improved? Is it any better? When they follow him through that door, when they enter the house, has their sight improved? Is it better? No. But faith that persists even when nothing changes is faith God responds to. Colossians 4 verse 2. Out of the CEV. Uh, says this, never give up praying and when you pray keep alert and be thankful never give up praying persistence is key and what does it take to be persistent but faith a belief that your persistence will pay off even when it seems like nothing's happening listen to the story Jesus tells about about persistence this this one's good Luke chapter 18 beginning verse 1 One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Doesn't sound like a good situation. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. I think my kids have read this story. I like got what I'm starting to think here. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? What he's really saying at the end there is how many will persist? If this judge who didn't fear God nor cared about people still rendered justice, God who is God and, and cares about us, will that much more grant Our requests in light of our persistence. That whole story affirms exactly what we're talking about. That God responds to a faith that does not give up even when nothing changes. But the problem is, this means that we're talking about time. We're talking about time passing while we wait to hear from God. And and what happens is that little voice of doubt creeps in. And we find ourselves praying for the same thing for days or weeks or months or years or more. And at different points of that voice it speaks up and it says things like this isn't working. This is stupid. Why are you still praying about this? Clearly nothing's going to happen. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. Why bother? And it's possible that some of us here today have been praying for something or for someone for a long time. And we've thought about just stopping because it seems like nothing has changed. But you have to know today that a faith that honors God and that God honors is a faith that persists even when things don't seem to be changing. Even if we can't see anything happening, you still believe. You still believe. And that's the kind of faith that God honors. And then the third kind of faith that God honors and and that honors God is, is a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. Faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. Faith that's marked by action even when everyone else would say, you're nuts. Give it up. You see, a common mistake that we make is blurring the line between the definitions of faith and hope. But there's actually a strong difference between faith and hope. Uh, I've heard it stated this way. Hope is a desire. Okay, Hope is something you want it to desire. Faith is a demonstration. I actually, I really like it. Hope is a desire. Faith is a demonstration. Hope tends to be something that that you want, and it's kind of an inward thing. You keep it to yourself. This This is what I want. It would be nice. Well, faith is a demonstration that moves and acts and works. It's visible on the outside. Maybe you've heard the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, finally after years of waiting, he has this son, Isaac. And God moves in Abraham's heart, And calls him to sacrifice that son. To give him up for God. And to do so by his own hand. Couldn't do it. I honestly believe I would tell God no. Because that sounds crazy. It just just sounds nuts. But Abraham, he goes and he gathers the supplies. He gets the wood. He takes Isaac. Isaac. He walks him up the mountain and he is preparing to follow through in obedience to what God has called him to do. And at, at just the right moment, the moment just before it's too late, God stops it all and says, You passed. You passed the test. You've shown your faith. And God provides an alternate sacrifice, he provides a, a ram in the thicket nearby. And because of Abraham's faith, he is blessed. And listen to how James talks about Abraham in light of this story. In James chapter 2, he says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. His faith was made complete by what he did, by his actions. And I think we struggle with this today in the church. So. Some people believe it's all faith, others believe it's all action, but you see his faith and his actions work together. They complemented one another, they completed one another, and I don't understand how we miss this. The kind of faith that honors God and that God honors is faith that works, even when it doesn't make sense. How many times through scripture do we see God call someone to do something and they say, this makes no sense, but for you, God, I will. Does it make any sense to say, hey, sacrifice this kid you've waited forever for? It makes zero sense, and yet Abraham was moved to action. It was because of his faith. Think about our story. We're not that different than than, than these blind men. We have a problem, and we magnify the problem, and life becomes all about the problem. These guys are blind. They can't really get around on their own, and they didn't have all the advances that we have to help with with that kind of an issue they can't work so they probably have to beg they'll probably never get married never have children their life will never have any meaning outside of being blind guys they were looked down upon in that culture this disability was seen as something that they deserved something that was a result of something that they did or something that their parents did and, and, and they could have lived with no hope because most people in their situation did they lived with no hope nothing But maybe one of these guys thought, hey, I know I can't see, but I can hear. And I've heard that there's this guy named Jesus who's healing people. And I've actually heard he might be coming this way. And I can't see, and I can't talk, or I can talk, and I can yell. Jesus have mercy. I can't see, but I can hear, and I can talk, and I can walk. So I'll follow the sound of the crowd to try to keep up with Jesus. And and I just won't stop. Because even though there's a lot of things I can't do because of this one issue, there are still things I can do. We may feel helpless in our troubles, in our problems, in our struggles. But none of those troubles, none of those struggles, none of those problems or issues are completely debilitating. Because there are still plenty of things we can do in the face of those issues, whatever they are. And when we mix our works, the things that we can do with our faith in God, that's true faith. You can't heal yourself from cancer. I wish that we could, it would be easier. Because it's just one of those things that needs to go away. But you can seek God in the face of cancer, you can believe in miracles in the face of cancer. And you can change what you eat, you can go to the best doctors, and suddenly your works and your faith are working together because you're doing some things that you can do, but you're also believing in a God that can do it all. And you can't hit the reset button on your marriage. You can't have a do-over. That's not how it works. Some people would abuse the do-over button. But what you can do through God's power is love your spouse like Christ loved the church and pray for your spouse. How messed up is the church sometimes... Yet Jesus still loves the church and will come back for her. And your prayers, they may not change your spouse, but they may change you. And you can let God work in you and your faith and work work together. There may be a cause that you're passionate about, but you can't save every person abused in human trafficking or, or rescue every unborn child and make sure that they're born Or help every child living in poverty get enough to eat. Or whatever it is that you might be passionate about. And it's intimidating to realize that we can't do everything. But we also have to realize we can do something. And so you pray big and start small. You pray big and you do something small. And my faith and my works work together because God honors that kind of faith. See, here's what this really comes down to. Faith plus action, equals God at work in and through me. We can believe all day that God can and will do something, and that's great, but it's not an excuse to sit and wait and wonder when that's going to happen. And we can work for good all day long, but if we don't have faith that God will bless the effort and work through us, then it's just work. It's still good, but it loses that punch, that eternal importance. But when our faith and our action are combined, when we believe that God can and will do something and we put our life into play to be a part of that, that's when God really begins to work in and through us because it will absolutely change us. And through us, God can change the world. We just have to have faith. Jesus asked, do you believe I can do this? Probably the best answer we could give to that question is, yes. Now how can I help? Let's pray. God, sometimes our our prayers are, are bigger than our faith, and sometimes our faith is bigger than our prayers. And sometimes... Our actions don't match up with what we say our faith is like. But God, I pray that we would be people who would ask God to do the impossible. They would ask you to do more than we can imagine. Things that we just think are impossible. That we would ask and believe that you could do them. And that you will do them. And God, I pray that then we would step out in action to see how we can be a part of that. Sometimes I think what we struggle with is we, we have this kind of partial faith. And I pray that we would remember that, that faith is something that shows up in our lives through our actions. And God, I pray that we would realize that, that when we put that faith on display through our actions, it's, it's not to make ourselves look good, but, but people do see that. And I pray that they would see in us that, that it's clear that there's something different about us, that there's some some higher power that we follow and that we would have the opportunity to tell them that it's you and what you've done for us and they would come to have that same faith God, we want everyone to know you and if we can be a part of making that happen i pray that you would help us to seize those opportunities as we take this time to take communion together god i pray that you would help us to focus on all that you have done for us but especially on the sacrifice that you gave us by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. Help us to focus on that during this time as we sing together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.